You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. may not think about it all that often, however, much like actual conversations, we, as gamers, interpret a lot of a character's intent by way of their animated body language. It's natural for us, and developers understand this, and in so much as they can try to animate their characters, much like cartoon animators have done for generations, in such a way as to elicit emotional responses based on real body language. Now, a couple of episodes back, I talked about Firewatch. And how unbelievably impressed I was, and still am, with Sissy Jones's performance. And one of the main reasons for that is because of the incredible amount of emotion she was able to convey without any in-game character's body language to help us pick up on exactly what Delilah was feeling. Whether she's pissed at you for prying into a personal call, silly and playful as she tells you a scary story about raccoons, or mildly drunk and hysterical, Delilah is a spectacular character brought to life by an incredible performance. Now, fans of Sissy Jones, however, expect as much, whether we're talking about Katja in the first season of The Walking Dead, Joyce Price in Life is Strange, or any number of other roles she's taken on, Sissy has a talent for voiceover work, and we are very happy to have her on this episode of For the Lore. So welcome to the show. Wow, what an intro. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't even practice that. (laughs) I call bull. You practiced that for like hours. Come on. I actually did not, and I only just wrote it. Anyways, I heard you describe your moment of quote-unquote voice voiceover enlightenment when you were still a kid watching Scooby-Doo. However, <laughs> you decided on being an adult, and when it came time for post-secondary schooling, went into business in Spanish. What made you choose a more traditional career path initially? Yeah, well, I uh, I remember telling my dad when I was about six that I wanted to be a, an actress, and and his immediate knee jerk response was no, 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 no. Uh, so I decided to adult for a while, and um, it was great. I learned a lot from it, and I hated it. So <laughs> um, nothing I, makes uh, you chase your dreams a lot more than a bad job. <laughs> yeah, you know, I worked in the Silicon Valley, which is really uh, uh, high intensity. And we don't have 40-hour work weeks up there. We have 110-hour work weeks. And so um, I was working for startup after startup and uh, just kind of being like, oh, my God, is this my life? Like, am I, am I going to die by the time I'm 40? Because I kind of feel like it at this point. And uh, I heard Nancy Cartwright on the radio, who's the voice of Bart Simpson, um, promoting the Simpsons movie. And she said, you know, you guys in the Bay Area, where I lived at the time, are so so lucky you have one of the best voiceover schools in the country right here. And I got on the phone that day. I started taking classes that week. And two years later, I was able to quit my job. Wow. And the the course that you took to, that was something that you talked about. I I listened to another podcast, a voiceover podcast that had you and Rich on it that Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed quite a bit. But that course, you actually attribute a lot of your success to that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a school in San Francisco that is run by a woman who's been in the voiceover business for a long time. And she really kind of breaks it down into, you know, introductory to acting for those of us that had no acting background and then, um, you know, improv and stuff like that. But then also 
you know, a little more specialized. So voiceover branches where you could take classes with the great Brian Summer, or I'm sorry, video game classes where you could take classes with people like Brian Summer, who does every antagonist in every game ever. Um, and then, you know, commercial classes where you got to meet casting directors. And uh, I met my agent, Dean Pinero there, who I love and will follow to the ends of the earth. Um, and uh, animation classes with Charlie Adler and, um, you know, all these amazing people. And so it was really just a great intro to not only um, acting and voiceover in particular, but um, the voiceover community, which is just the best. So looking at your IMDb profile, we see that you kind of jumped right into video games. Was that a <laughs> preference uh, that you wanted or is it just kind of where the work was? Was that something that you, you hit on in school when you were in those classes and you just like this, this really kind of clicked? Yeah, video games, uh, video games clicked for me. You know, what, what you don't see in my IMDb is commercial work. Um, I do a ton of commercial work. Um, I actually do a lot of celebrity soundalikes. <laughs> so you don't see that kind of stuff in, uh, in IMDb. But my very first role out the gate was Katya for The Walking Dead. So there is something about video games that, uh, that speaks to me, especially narrative video games. They're so much fun. I'm guessing that role too kind of opened up some doors because of how Ugh. successful the game was. Changed my life. Um, I mean, not only was the game successful and not only did I meet Sean Vanneman, who then left and wrote Firewatch and called me three years ago and said, I loved you in The Walking Dead. Will you be in Firewatch? And I was like, yes. Um, but I also, because of the experience of The Walking Dead, I got to meet the other actors, um, you know, Melissa Hutchison and Owen Thomas and Gavin Hammond and Nikki Rapp. I mean, it was such an intense experience recording that game that we would all meet up for beers and became good friends. I mean, there's still people I talk to on a regular basis, um, which doesn't happen often uh, in the void of video game recording. <laughs> so you actually recorded with some of the other actors instead no. of the usual solo? No, we recorded solo, but it was so intense that we all kind of got together afterwards. I'm like, oh, my God, can you believe what they put us through for episode one? Did you read episode two yet? Um, you know, and we kind of bonded over that, which, again, is really rare. I've been in in, you know, I've shared title with numerous people in different video games. And you may meet, you may not. And you may be like, hey, you were in that game with the thing and the stuff. And they're like, yeah, great. But it's never like a bond. Um, the way that it was with The Walking Dead. Now, I know that you're a mom to a couple of young kids, but had you had either of your children when you actually recorded Katya's, like her painful I lines with Duck? No, I had not. Um, and I think now have having had kids, um, and interesting story, I was actually recording for 400 days because I did a couple of characters for 400 days when I was in labor with my first child. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Um, I think if I'd had to record cat's lines with duck now um it would be an even snottier mess than it was then <laughs> well see it's funny because i i'll bring it up often in in various episodes and i've brought it up on our other podcast that we do too because it's a perspective that i have as as a parent that these guys don't have yet mm. and it's one of those things where until you have that under your belt you can pretend all you want. You're yeah. not going to understand what it is. You don't know till you know. Yeah. And it's one of those things where in like when I listen to you doing Joyce Price as well kind of thing and different lines that you hear in other performances, you wonder how much of that you're able to bring to the table because of now, now being a parent to a couple of kids. 
Joyce Price, I did have one. <laughs> I had one child by then. Um, and yeah, there, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that I brought to that. I will say, you know, when I was younger, um, I lost someone very close to me who was, uh, younger and, um, that really informed my read for cat a lot. Um, I was going to ask were they bit by a zombie, but then it seemed really cruel (laughs) and cold and I didn't know if it was too soon, but no, not bit by a zombie, but tragic nonetheless. Yes. <laughs> he was actually about duck's age, so that made it um, oh, that's that much harder. Horrible! <laughs> wow, that's difficult. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, um, yeah. So that was that, and then um, recording for Joyce. Uh, you know, I'd had one of my daughters by then, and um, you know, she's still under five, so she does whatever the hell I tell her to do. Um, but trying to imagine cool. her as a teenager was uh, was interesting and you know everything that Joyce goes through if you've played the game um and then with Firewatch uh I had my second daughter in the midst of recording and then eight days after she was born (laughs) Sean was like hey um do you want to record maybe (laughs) (laughs) so I was back in the booth after eight days which uh which is the glory of voiceover I can do that and uh and nobody's any the wiser unless I share it (laughs) That's really, really cool. So besides drawing on just like your personal experiences, which I, I mean, I would assume this is kind of one of those things that every actor does. Do you have like a specific way that you prepare for roles or do you just kind of go in as like a blank slate and let the directors tell you what they want? Both. Um, I think when I get the audition, it's really my chance to develop the character. Um, you know, uh, what's their favorite food? What are they afraid of? What is their biggest dream? Um, what? is their favorite color you know just understanding who the characters are from the get-go and then it helps me make an informed decision on the audition now if I book the audition and I get to the job um maybe they liked what I did maybe they didn't maybe they just like the sound of my voice which is rare but um but that point you have to be willing to throw it all out the window if the director wants something different does that make sense it does. One of the things that I've been uh, enjoying is watching a lot of the videos that uh, James Arnold Taylor has been putting out. Yeah. And and it's great. I, I love the, the voiceover work stuff that you guys do and whatnot. And it's funny because a lot of what he's saying for, for different roles, that whether he's auditioning or gets it too, you're very much going in with kind of a utility belt of things that you can do, but you're not Mm -hmm. showing everything off right away. You just, Oh, this is what you want. Okay. Yes, I can do that. Oh, this is what you want. I, I can do that as well. And really working off of what they're telling you in the moment, because a lot of the times they already have cemented in their mind who this person is supposed to be, what they're supposed to sound like, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And James and I actually share an agent, which, uh, which is pretty awesome in this little world. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of the thing is, is I know who I am and I know what I bring to a role, um, much the same way that James knows who he is and what he brings to a role. You know, I, I don't have a really good grasp on like the super young, perky teenager sound. So I'm never going to get hired for that. I know that. Um, but if you want, you know, kind of a mature mom sound or, you know, anything along those lines. Like I got that in the bag or breathy Uh, astronaut or, you know, a breathy astronaut or, (laughs) you know, any of those things like that. That's in my wheelhouse. That's in my tool belt. And I'm not trying to be all things to all people because ultimately then I would fall flat on my face. So it's more just about knowing, uh, knowing what your strengths are and playing to them. Yeah. Getting back to Joyce Price, life is strange was our 
almost unanimous game of the year last year. How did you almost? get that role? What is this yeah. crap? Yeah, it, it yeah, was, yeah, it yeah, was yeah, number yeah. two for somebody. Yeah, <laughs> by all means, put them in their place. <laughs> We would, it was my number one. What do you mean them? It had nothing to do with the them. quality of the voice acting. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right, all right. You're off the hook now. Oh, I would what? not let him off that easily. No. no. <laughs> um, that one, that was just an audition that came uh, like most video games do. And, um, you know, I remember getting it and it said they wanted a southern accent on her. And she was a waitress. Um, and I just remember reading the lines and there just seemed to be a sadness about her. Um, she was a strong mother and she was going to do whatever she could for her daughter. And, you know, obviously at this point, I have no idea what the story's about. It was even, we recorded under a fake name for the majority of it. It wasn't until like my last session or something that I was like, what is this game actually releasing as? And they were like, oh, it's called Life is Strange. Um, so I had no idea what it was, but I just... There just seemed to be this strength but sadness about this character. And so I went about my character development. You know, who is this woman? What does she wake up for? Um, what does she hate waking up for? Um, you know, and, and going through that and, and booked the job. And then once I got there, uh, you know, the guys from Don't Nod were dialed in from France. And our director was just awesome. And it, it was just a, just an awesome experience. And that is one of those games, a lot like The Walking Dead, where... I've had people, you know, find me from all over the world and be like, that game changed my life. And I'm like, what, huh? <laughs> you know, and then, because uh, again, when I was recording, I didn't really know anything about it. Joyce kind of is just a little piece of it. She's nowhere near as involved as Max and Chloe. Um, and I started reading about it and watching the playthroughs and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Wow, this is really heavy. <laughs> um, but yeah, people tell me all the time that that game, you know, um, made them decide to get into game design or made them decide to like pick up the phone and call for help or, you know, whatever, which is really uh, such an impressive thing for a video game to do. We to have that kind of power. talked about each episode at length, like an insane amount. It was, it was one of those games where we decided and, and Joe even cracked about it, I think once or twice where, I would get the show notes ready for the episode and be wondering, yeah, I don't know if we've got enough to cover the full hour, but <laughs> life is strange is at the top. We could talk about an episode for a few hours and barely yeah. scratch the surface just because there was so much to it and, and so many different layers in terms of the performance. That, and that's one of the things too, that made me appreciate not just your performance, but everybody in there too, because of the manner in which it was done with the various timelines and whatnot, you then would have to craft a character and all of these things that make them sound the way they do would essentially kind of be different in some of these other timelines mm -hmm. where in, well, case in point, when she is in the wheelchair, then like right. that entire timeline, that character, the mom is bound to sound different than she did in any of the other ones. And I, I, how much of that actually affected how you, you were doing your performances? Is that just something you picked up on or did they actually tell you as you were recording it? They had such a, such a vision of what they wanted, um, for each character. And so they really prepped me for every scene. Okay, listen, in this scene, this is what's going on. Um, you know, you're still Joyce, but this has happened instead of that. Um, how do you kind of, you know, <laughs> swap tragedies, if you will? 
Um, and how does it affect you if your husband is still alive, but your child is dying, you know, as opposed to your child is alive and rebelling, um, but your husband is dead. The love of your life is gone. And it was, um, you know, <laughs> varying degrees of, of, of just tragedy. Yes. <laughs> um, which, you know, if they didn't hear what they wanted, we would, we would play with it until they did. Um, but again, they knew exactly what they, what they needed to hear. The director was fantastic. Um, and sometimes they would have other lines for me to listen to as we recorded, which is, is always really helpful. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. <laughs> I think it does. Yes. So now going through the list of the titles you worked on, you've worked on some pretty heavy ones, uh, big hitters, Walking Dead, Batman, Fallout, Firewatch, Drift. What was some of your favorites that you've you've done so far, or maybe your most challenging roles that you've had to had to take on? Um, Firewatch and Adrift have really been just the icing on a fantastic <laughs> start to a year. Um, you know, like I said, Sean called me three years ago about Delilah, and we recorded for two years. And so to finally have her be out in the wilderness, literally and figuratively, and have people responding the way that they are to her, um, it means the world to me because I was so afraid that people were going to be like, oh, my God, would she shut up, you know? Um, but we had so much fun and I, I was able to put a lot of life in there and a lot of love in there. And um, it's really, it just makes me feel really, really good to hear people responding the way that they are. Um, and Adrift is, is very close to me as well. I mean, um, I got to know Adam quite well as we were recording and I, just everything he's been through in his journey and just the human that he is. He's just a great human being. And so to be able to work on this project with him was awesome. And, and to kind of embody this, you know, hyper competitive, um, um, you know, go getter character, even in breath and, and five words, uh, was really awesome, you know, and then something like Batman, uh, when I recorded as Nora freeze, um, I actually got to sit in the booth and record alongside Maurice LaMarche as oh, wow. Dr. Freeze, which was, I mean, talk about <laughs> like humbling from there. <laughs> I mean, that guy is just eponymous with voice acting. He's been around forever and he has the career that we all want, you know. Um, so that was just, I, I, th I think I might have peed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's an appropriate response. Yeah. <laughs> Held up no, better than any of us would. It was really amazing um, to get to work with him. But I, I would definitely say Firewatch and Adrift are the two that, um, that I will hold on to for a very long time. If not oh. the rest of my life. Now, with the rest of the career ahead of you, I mean, what would you say if, is anything out there that you would love to land as maybe your dream role? Uh, like, are there any franchises you would love to work on or a character that you would love to bring life to that you? Yes, all of them, all the characters, <laughs> all the things. Um, I would love to be a Simpson. I mean, who wouldn't? But I, I'd love to, to find an animated show like that that just has legs and goes and goes. And you get to have so much fun recording on a weekly basis. So you're um, actually more interested in doing cartoon work kind of thing? Animated I'm, work I'm, versus game? Look, I get to make voices for a living. So anything that comes with that is gravy. I, I mean, animation is, is a dream for sure. Video games are so much fun. Um, I would love to do like... A female superhero like I want to see a female Batman you know what I mean or I don't know anything like that and and 
to get a chance to to be something, you know, be one of those characters. Why not? Um, I, I I love all the things. I, I love my job. I get to do this every single day and I get to make a living and feed my family doing this. So hooray. <laughs> we need an animated Batman show where you can be Oracle. Yes. <laughs> Let's make that happen. That would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be freaking awesome. Now, a couple of weeks ago, like I said to you, I, I had some pretty nice things to say about your portrayal of the Lion. You did, and thank you so much. And I know that you like to compliment the writers, which is very nice and well deserved on their part as well. However, it's your work that gives this character all of its life, and without an embodiment in the game. Everything, quite literally, everything about this game relies on your performance because you're God, that. I'm so glad no one said voice. that to me before it was released because I would have, like, Did, been a So you mess. didn't realize that going in. <laughs> was there at any point that you picked up on that? No, I think I knew. I mean, I knew obviously that, uh, you know, you were never going to see Delilah and it was just a radio, a radio communication. Um, but I remember we had pretty much wrapped one ending uh where delilah basically just tells henry henry that he's crazy and like stay the f away from me and shuts down and then the rest of the game is henry trying to figure out like what to do and how do i get out of here and what's going on and sean called rich and i and he was like it doesn't work it's just we have to have delilah like the game doesn't work without her um and so we recorded a different ending which is the one that that was released um and so that was that was kind of interesting to be like oh okay well uh, I guess she is a bigger part of this than just a voice on the other end of the line. That's kind of nice. Um, it it very much is. And I, again, I don't know if anybody else has pointed this out to you, but it, it very much is your voice. And it's 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 unique because it's nothing else. It's not the how you were animated in the game. It's not your avatar in the game. It's not anything else it is quite literally your voice is what makes that game as spectacular as everything else is that is not just the lifeline but it's also what is the most interesting the most engaging and has the most play in terms of how you want to take it in terms of whatever choices you have because the game as a whole is fairly linear but then the choices that you make are what will then shift how you feel while you're in the game and again that all relied on (laughs) you nobody else just you and the fact that it has been as successful as it has been as well and sold over 500,000 copies proves that you apparently everybody else agrees with me as well (laughs) well thank you so much and and to that i there are two things that i really want to say uh number one is i'm nothing without a great partner and rich summer is amazing i mean he brought such life to henry and the way that he would go about lines were often things that i never thought of um you know uh the way to say something or the way to convey something and being able to play off of that, we recorded simultaneously, not in the same room. Um, you know, we each had our home studios and we recorded on Skype, kind of like we are now, which uh, being able to do this game, which requires that kind of, of conversational chemistry, it just made the game. Uh, it, it made the whole experience. But also, I adore that 
you don't get to decide how you feel about Delilah based on what she looks like, based on her avatar, based on the size of her cans. Um, I, I love that you have to figure out how you want to play this, how you want to develop this relationship with this character based on her character alone. And that, to me, as a woman in voiceover, um, is just awesome. I love that. Well, it's something that I noticed as well as I was playing through is I initially and for the first little while, knowing absolutely nothing about the game beforehand, I didn't know if you, the player, get to meet her at some point. I thought <laughs> maybe it's building up towards that. And one gotcha. of the things, yeah, really. And, and I'm, I was so glad that you don't get to meet her. And one of the things that we've talked about on the podcast a number of times, as well as we do a comic book podcast, is how we need to get the old white dudes who are in charge of making decisions to stop just with the the game stereotype of what the ideal quote unquote woman looks like and things like that. And the, the, the very sleazy things. And this is not that you have no idea what she looks like. And there comes a point, at least I felt as the gamer where it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter at all, at all, at all. And what you're relying on instead is very much again, that, that endearing performance as long as you don't piss her off you know? <laughs> and and that's what matters it's those that the little the little mannerisms that she puts in when she's happy that, that you put in when the character's happy that make it worthwhile not a gratuitous chest shot or some stupidity right. like that and that's huge like that's what we're clamoring for in games and that's what this does but I think that also speaks to the genius of Sean Bannerman. I mean, he wrote The Walking Dead, right? Um, you have Katya, who is a plump, middle-aged Belgian lady married to a hothead. You have uh, Clementine, who is a six-year-old, you know, mixed-race girl. You have, um, you know, Carly and Lily, who are arguably more stereotypically video game girls, but they're not vixens, you know, um, and Sean wrote these characters. Sean Sean knows all of these characters in his head, and he's the one that brings them to the table. And then you come to Firewatch, and you have, you know, yeah, you have the skinny dipping girls, but you never see them. You yeah. see their silhouettes. Um, and then Delilah. And Delilah, you know, I heard him say in an interview that this is more Richard Linklater and less Michael Bay. And I love that. And I will work with him on anything forever till the end of time always. <laughs> Well, the same could be said of Henry too. Although he's got some pretty damn nice legs, I got to tell you. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does have some good. Those, games. those are some pretty, pretty hot calves. <laughs> there was his that drawing of him in the journal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll leave that you, there. <laughs> you mentioned before that Sean Veneman basically just walked up and offered you the role. That that was it. That was. Um, and to be fair, you know, I was five different characters in season one of The Walking Dead uh, and two on the DLC. So we had worked fairly extensively together. Um, but with Katya, he knew a Belgian immigrant when he was a child um, and he wrote Katya based on her. And, uh, you know, when I submitted my first audition, it was awful. But I think he heard something that he liked. And so... Um, he said, you know, we're a little worried about the accent. Is this something you can learn? And I went out and, you know, I have a friend who's Belgian and I followed him around with a tape recorder for way too long and probably got creeper status. But 
uh, I needed to get the accent down. And so I did. And um, when I saw Sean at the Walking Dead rap party, he was just like, holy crap, I can't believe you did that. I, no one came close. It was awesome. Um, I'm really impressed with, you know, how you did that. And I'd love to work with you again and blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, yeah, three years later, he just sent me a message and he was like, hey, working on a game, female protagonist, you in? Yep. <laughs> I mean, Some choices are easy. Yeah, you don't you don't say no to that ever. One of the things going back to your performance with Rich again, one of the things that I heard you talking about on that video podcast was how you both decided essentially that you were going to record apart from each other in mm-hmm. your own home studios because it kind of would mirror some of the game yeah. because you are together looking back at it now do you actually feel that it did make a big difference in your performance with each other i really think it did i mean i think so for those who don't know um rich and i live like a mile away from each other in los angeles and we had never met um they, it took them a while to find their henry and when they finally did um sean and rich and i were on the phone and and sean was like what do you guys think about not meeting and we're like okay that's fine um and so that that kind of awkwardness that you hear at the beginning, you know, with what's wrong with you, what's wrong with you, um, that was real. That was that was. I think that genuine. was because of liquor, really. Because isn't that when she was plastered <laughs> the first time? Tomato, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, uh, you know, I think if if there's a lot of stuff that I, I feel like if I had been recording with a good friend, um, it would have come out quite differently, and. Um, I'm really happy with how it did come out, you know, to to have these two people get to know each other, but never really meet. And that podcast that you heard was only the third time we had ever met. Um, and it was honestly the first time where we ever actually like hung out. <laughs> well, the, so. the, the thing that's funny is, again, because you mentioned that you'd been recording for a couple of years for this role. And it's something we're in you can hear as you're playing through the game the familiarity and the bond as the game progresses, which I'm guessing is yeah. in part because the same thing was occurring with you two as you were recording over the course of a couple of years. Yeah, we recorded um, chronologically, which again is very rare. And definitely, you know, it got more and more comfortable as we would get on those phone calls. You know, the first couple was like, okay. Hey guys, uh, what's going on? You know, um, but then, you know, Hey, what's going on with, how are your kids? What's going on with the family? You know, and, um, just became more comfortable, more familiar, like you're saying. And, and, you know, definitely kind of locked in on that chemistry for lack of a better word, you know, um, he's, he's a friend and, and hopefully that came across. Oh, it did. It most certainly did. How did they do it? How did Campo do it with, uh, with recording in terms of, the different paths that you can go down because again, the game is fairly linear in terms of how you, you play it. However, because of the choices that has a fairly big impact in how you would perform it, whether you're ticked off over a number of lines or, or not (laughs) kind of thing. My Delilah liked me. Okay. Let's just say it right out there. I want to make that very clear. I didn't piss off my Delilah except, except for once, but she deserved it. But when she took the call and you didn't know what was going on. What the hell is going on? It, it was a it was a valid question and I think she was a little sensitive about it. <laughs> yeah, well. Did you did you antagonize her the entire time? I have to know. 
You know me. I can't not pick the smart-ass comments. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't outright hostile, but if there's a good joke to be made, it's going to happen. I want to see your playthrough. I do. Um, but did you record like each the lines for a specific path and then do those or just whatever line it, happened it to be It depended on the situation. Uh, I think sometimes we would just go through and read each one with a different response, uh, like as we're in the moment. Or sometimes if it was a longer scene, then we would go through the scene and then go back and do it, um, you know, with whatever different response there was. And then, you know, we would get to a point later and Sean would be like, okay, hold on, I have to figure out the reference and what happened here and blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, it was, you know, it was fairly straightforward. Um, again, because I had worked on The Walking Dead and I knew, and Life is Strange, and knowing, you know, those different responses and how how that plays out in the game, uh, it, it made it a little bit easier. And, you know, Rich caught on super quick. I think Sean kind of freaked him out a, a little bit at first saying it was going to be like vocal gymnastics. But, uh, you know, it's always that like under promise over deliver. <laughs> right. So once we got going, it was it was fairly straightforward. Did you have a favorite bit of dialogue or conversation in the game? I'm still discovering so much of it because we recorded for so long. There's a ton that I've forgotten. So, you know, I totally forgot about the poop trowel until they made the the little like mini trailer. <laughs> and I love that section. I love <laughs> Shelley Duvall. Um, I love doing Raccoon Carter. God, that was so much fun. Uh, um, I, I have a bit of a connection with Turt Reynolds. So, Oh, Turt Reynolds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turt Reynolds was my favorite. I'm sorry. Shelley Duvall is just the one that popped in my head. But yeah. <laughs> Turt's my guy. Yes. Um, there's just so much. There's so much fun stuff in there. I, 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 do you guys, I mean, what are your favorites? Help me remember. I, I don't remember anything. <laughs> oh, the raccoon story for me. That, th- yeah. that moment, it, it was funny because, again, I, I, w- I just finished playing Oxenfree and another fantastic. I have a fantastic... bunch of good friends in there. Actually, one of the teenagers from the lake is in Oxenfree. Oh, really? Mm, well, Aaron funny. Ash. Um, but uh, Joe and I were talking back and forth about um, Oxenfree as I was playing it and then he was playing it. And then I was playing uh, Firewatch. And it has such a different feel <laughs> almost immediately. And mm. just because it's a different type of game again. And I I got hooked in immediately. I really, really did. And, and that's not something that happens all the time, but it was really cool and I was enjoying it. And then all of the conversations I was having with Delilah were super interesting. And, and it was something where in, I could, I was still imagining, okay, am I going to get to see her like a typical game or what's going to happen kind of thing. Once I'd settled in on, okay, no, this is how it's going to be. And hopefully I don't get to see her was right around the point of the raccoon, the scary story. And at, you get attacked by a freaking raccoon, and then you start giving me this fantastically playful story. <laughs> and by that point, we're, depending on choices that are made, we've gotten fairly close to your character. And, like, really quite close i had been joking around with my son when i wasn't playing at one point that you know that's all i could think about i want to get back in and shoot the breeze with delilah and wander around this fantastic zone and it was that point where you gave that story and i could practically see little mannerisms little giggles (laughs) little mannerisms the shoulders going up all of these things and that's when i went 
if she does not win or at least be nominated for a voiceover award, it will be a criminal shame because that was the moment for me that I just, I just lost it. And my appreciation (laughs) of the work skyrocketed. Well, thank you. It was so much fun to record. Oh my God. We had so much fun recording that. (laughs) Well, I did. I don't know about Sean. (laughs) They're probably like, all right, we get it. Shut up. (laughs) What about you guys? Uh, For me, I think one of my favorite bits is at the, not the very beginning, but when Hank's on the trail of the two girls and Delilah was just so like playfully antagonistic with him. It, it Why? just because you're 12. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like that's, that's what really enamored me to the character because it, it made me go, okay, this is somebody I can really like, someone I can have fun with. It's going to be a good summer. <laughs> like, it, it, just, it just really enamored me to Delilah. I loved that. Yo. Yeah, honestly, um, I can't really pick one. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I've I've watched several different playthroughs, and it's really hard for me to pick because everything was so well done. And I don't say that lightly, and I'm not saying that as a way of like pandering or anything like that. It's just the quality of it. It was just so well. It's really hard for me to pick a favorite one. If I had to, it's definitely probably going to be something along the poop trial just because I absolutely love the exchange <laughs> and the jokes because I'm a five-year-old child. <laughs> See, one you would of, do well in voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I really like too is how the early on when you're talking to her, she's fairly guarded. And this is something that I talked about a couple of weeks ago, how it really is a game about two people who are flawed. And that's part of what makes it real for us. And it's about them coming to terms with choices that they've made and each of them coming to terms with the choices that each other has made as well and things like that, and you, the gamer. And so you get these serious moments, not too many, but some serious moments where Delilah kind of explains why she's there. But then there's a lot of fun, silly stuff, and there's more of the um, more straightforward, kind of action stuff that goes on for a little while as well with the different chasing, trying to get some information and whatnot. But it's when you find the boy's body mm-hmm. and it ties right back to all of these feelings that she'd had um, and why she does what she does and why she's more guarded and whatnot. And all of a sudden now you're getting these very honest, visceral responses on your radio from someone who is blaming herself and to go from the silliness of the scary raccoon stories and all these other various sillinesses to something that is so very profound to me again spoke to an insane amount of talent to be able to pull each off so effectively to make us feel so very much for this 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 character well thank you i uh i told sean if we ever work together again no more dead kids because uh <laughs> that's brutal yeah yeah i, I, can, I can handle it um but yeah it uh you know so much of delilah is um it's just me i mean I, and that's part of what is great about working with someone on a project that is so detailed that you know um you know sean knows that i'm just a big heap of nerd and (laughs) to be able to like write that into this thing and you know I enjoy my whiskey and I like my crossword puzzles and you know uh 
so there there's definitely a, a, a very large amount of me in Delilah and um to again be able to go on these experiences with this person that you are you know building a relationship with kind of like you know you know when you're kids and you go to summer camp and you meet somebody and you're like all about them and you're so excited about them and then at the end of the summer it's like okay well we're pretty much never going to talk again (laughs) so it was kind of that uh that type of experience and um you know it was it was just I mean for me it was just a dream come true it was such a great such a great experience. One of the things that I thought was cool was at the end when you actually get to Delilah's outpost and I felt that there could have been more personal stuff there, though it makes sense that she would take most of it with her. But what's funny is that having spent as many hours as I had playing as Henry and never seeing her, this is the only quote unquote real tie to her not just a a a voice on a radio she lived here this is where she slept this is everything for that period of time that was so traumatic and so when you walk into it it's almost like hollowed ground you just kind of walk in and you're just looking at everything and it's like this is as close as you will ever get to this woman because she's gone that's it and so i really took a lot of time going through it's kind of creepy you know because you're kind (laughs) of sniffing around her stuff it's not like i laid down in bed and made snow angels with the blankets or anything but don't lie but it wasn't an option yeah really (laughs) note to campo make that an option yeah put us do you want to sniff the pillow option uh but no there was a lot of really cool stuff where you're kind of looking at it and there are throwbacks to what happened throughout the game as well like the drawing that she does of him and the different things like that do you know the drawing changes based on your interaction with her i did not know that makes sense yeah so if you like if you ignore delilah for the entire game the drawing at the end of Henry is like an ogre and there's like a bear chasing after him. Um, but yeah, so it's, it totally changes based on your on your interaction with her, which I think is so cool. If you wear the hat every time you leave, the drawing will have a hat on him. That is awesome. I, yeah. You know what? I, I only played through it, well, one and a half. I didn't finish the second playthrough yet. But I had heard of somebody else who had played it and just not talked to her. And I thought about doing the same just so that so I could mean. get those lines and hear it. <laughs> but so much of the game, like I said, is about that interaction. So not having that, I don't know what the purpose of the driving force would be for me to actually play through it. Well, I totally agree. I don't think you should ignore her. <laughs> <laughs> But it is interesting that it's an option. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've done a lot of these games now that are very much about having the different choices. I mean, from Telltale, all the games with Telltale that you're doing with currently Michonne as well. And then the Life is Strange and now this as well. Like, are you finding that that is a lot more fun or it it just point blank gives you more lines to record as well when you're doing a role? Um, Well, I mean, for a lot of it, it's just auditions and what do I book? Um, it just happens am, there's a lot more of those right now than there used to be. Uh, yes. And I, I love being able to really dive into these characters and really get to figure them out. I mean, if I'm doing, um, you know, I don't know, Call of Duty, which has so many female characters, um, you know, it's grenade, get down, take cover. And 
that's kind of it, you know? Um, but to do characters like these and to have these ones that, that give you like a full backstory on your character that you get to then fill in with whatever you want to add. And then you get to the script. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's so great. I just, I love it. I mean, they're real people. They're tangible characters instead of just a, a two-dimensional um, voice, I guess, for lack of a better word. I know, I know with a lot of other medias, you can see the finished product. Do you actually get to see the finished product when you're done recording in any capacity? Or is it kind of one of those things where because it's you know primarily video games, and in this case, ones with branching paths, that you don't really get to see it until people start actually playing it? Not really. I mean, most times you basically hear about it when the playthroughs start coming out on, on YouTube. Um, for Fallout, I did get a copy of it, but... Uh, I'm a terrible game player, so I actually gave it to one of the guys at Campo. Um, they did show us some renderings of Firewatch. Uh, we we got to see the the raccoon jump out uh, in in render before it was actually done, which was pretty cool. Um, and then obviously getting to see the artwork uh, for Firewatch, which was amazing. Yeah. And then for Adrift, um, Adrift actually recorded under its real name, which again is so rare in gaming. And so I was able to Google Adrift and get, you know, a little bit about Adam before I went into the session. And he did the, the I think he, he released a trailer at the VGAs in 2014 or something. Um, and so there was just this beautiful trailer of Adrift. And I was like, oh, my God, this is stunning. You know, more often than not, you don't get that when you go in for a game. You, you barely even get the real name. How do you find working on a drift? I mean, coming off of Firewatch and now Michonne and everything else too, like, and and all the prior work on uh, on The Walking Dead and everything else. Like, how did you find a drift? Because it it is quite different in its delivery than what you did in those other games. I loved working on a drift because it was such a deeply personal thing for Adam, um, and I, I really respect the hell out of Adam. He's a really good guy and he has this, this beautiful vision in his head of, of what this game is and who these characters are and how he needs them to play out. Um, and so being in a room with someone that has that much passion for what they're working on is really inspiring. And that to me was exactly, exactly what I wanted to be around. Um, you know, we're still in touch about other things and, um, I, I hope I get to work with him on everything again I mean he's he's just so fun and so great um and it you know it was different in the sense of like <laughs> not as much dialogue but it was it was definitely uh it was definitely an intense session um you know by the time I got there I so I had recorded for one of the side characters a couple of months prior uh Elizabeth Hudson, Hudson and yeah. Adam called me up and he was like hey you know I really love what you did with Elizabeth um do you maybe want to voice the main character. And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, so I, I went in for that and he was like, you should know it's, it's going to be, you know, mostly breathing a couple of words, but mostly breathing. And I was like, no problem. I'm there. But what I didn't tell him was that I was like six months pregnant. <laughs> so by the time I got there, uh, you know, and I walked into the room and they were like, Oh my God, we're going to kill you today. <laughs> well, that very first scene too, where she is, yeah. kind of fallen off and it's caught to around her boot and you hear that the heavy breathing that panic yeah, same, i was like yeah. my god did she hyperventilate after she was done that yep. one scene there were a couple of times where we really had to like stop and let me not black out <laughs> um 
but he he just knew what he wanted to hear. He knew what he needed. I mean, he was he was kind of pacing around outside the in the control room um, like a music conductor, you know, telling me how the breaths needed to sound for him and and what cadence he needed to hear. Um, and when, you know, the oxygen levels start depleting, how it needs to pick up just a little bit more. And then when it's really like full on panic and, you know, it just um, it was really incredibly easy to do something that would have been otherwise pretty taxing. It's funny because as I was watching it and listening, I I was point blank, obviously listening because we were doing this interview and because I wanted to see everything that's going on. So you're a lot more analytical of what's going on. And because of the fact that it was, you know, it's made for VR kind of thing, the sound is insanely important. That's something yeah. we discuss on this podcast all the time. Joe and I especially have, you know, whether it's music or sound engineering, mm-hmm. stuff of like that really have an appreciation of when it's done well. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at something like a drift where the score isn't what's important, it is very much going to be just about the person that you're playing. It would be easy to cheat it and just toss in a few heavy breathing moments and that's it. But that's not what you get. You really do sound different at different points and it always sounded like it matched what was going on on the screen and again it makes you further appreciate the immersion that that creates for a vr game kind of thing well good thank you for saying that it's it's really nice to hear and i think uh you know a lot of people have have told me that um at first it's really jarring to hear that much breathing but once you really get immersed into the game you kind of start breathing with the character especially in vr uh and you forget that it's another person like a voice actor doing the breathing and it's your own yeah which i think is pretty sweet yeah it is (laughs) the only thing that i question as i was watching it was and and i can appreciate the whys that they wanted it to be very quiet and and a lot of solitude except for those um recordings that you find periodically and whatnot, but we all talk to each other. And there were a lot of moments where I'm watching this thinking there, it it would have worked to have had the character talking to herself periodically as well. Mm. Did they say why they didn't want that in there? That it ever come up to hammer home the solitude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, Uh, that's what I got. It's just as someone who talks to himself a lot, And we all do. Let's be honest. We all do. Then it's something (laughs) that as I was playing, as I was watching someone playing, I was thinking, yeah, I would, I can see how it could be written both ways that wanting the absolute solitude and silence versus what I believe would be more realistic of someone, even just a, I'll come on or something like that, which doesn't happen, which, you know, I think that the character of Alex Oshima um, she is someone who is very confident and she is someone who is very competitive and she is someone who is very capable. And she, in that sense, I don't think she would be someone who fettered about, you know, chatting to herself the way that I would. Um, I think she is someone that just knows inherently this is what needs to happen. This is where I need to go. This is what needs to be done. Go. Um, it, there's a terseness to her, uh, which I don't think allows much for, uh, you know, 
talking to herself, if that makes any sense. Not oh, no, to say that you're not focused and all that. <laughs> oh, no. It's just, again, whenever there was a reaching for an oxygen bottle and it just tips off the fingers, I could yeah. just hear a, oh, come on. <laughs> and it never happens. And it's like, oh, yeah. this person's a lot more driven than I am. Just, I'll a lot say it more into your head next time you're playing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll add my own commentary. <laughs> I'm all right with that. But, you know, they do uh, they do add audio logs of the other astronauts. I'm, I'm not sure how much of the gameplay that you've seen, but when you do all get to it. play it yourself, you do, you know, kind of interact with the other astronauts in the sense that you find their, their audio logs and their diaries and their emails and, um, you know, getting to learn who they are through that kind of experience, um, which is really kind of powerful. Again, it's one of those things where I I was lucky and I found a, a, an entire playthrough where this guy went through everything, be it emails, audio logs, you name it, went out of his way to to get to everything, and and that was spectacular because that's exactly how I would play it as well. And again, all of the story that you're getting is all of the superfluous stuff that you don't actually have to go and get. Mm -hmm. So if you just play the game, literally just go in and build what you got to build to get the hell back home kind of thing. There's no purpose to the game other than to save your skin. Yeah. Whereas if you start listening to those, those audio logs, all of a sudden now you're getting so much backstory. I mean, yeah. when, and it was cool, too, because of the progression of how you're seeing these logs and whatnot. And, you know, oh, if it's so-and-so, you're going to hear some whining about not seeing his kid and his wife kind of thing. And I say whining with quotes, you know. Whining. Kind of thing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> whiny bastard. And uh, Telling your wife on you. <laughs> and if you – that's not funny. And, uh, and if you uh, – if you listen you if you want, you know. to other things, then like when you're hearing Hudson and she is filing the official report, yeah. you're going, Damn. Like that's yeah. that's pretty cold, and I want to know more about that as well. So that's where I, when I was asking you if it was different too, it's because the the manner in which the story is told isn't by dialogue choices and things like that, which we see in these other games you've done, but strictly by these recordings. So it really is a a different way of getting the entirety of all of the characters, the story arcs, the, 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 the little love affairs going on, all of these other things, but all in these very, these very secluded kind of audio logs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's up to you how much you want to explore, which again, like you said, is very similar to Firewatch. You can quote unquote beat the game in a couple of hours, but you've missed the whole point. And I think it's, it's very similar with Adrift. Um, you can get home, but for what, you know, at least if you take the time to learn about your fellow astronauts and what was driving them and, and what kept them going and, and what meant something to them, then you can at least take those little bits back home with you and redeem yourself in some Well, yeah, that manner. flight home is not going to mean anything to you unless you have that breadth of experience leading up to those final audio logs that you're listening to. Yeah. So, like, when you're getting chewed out at the end there driving flying back it's like oh my god it <laughs> hits hard because of yeah. the scope of what it, what happened yeah you'll have to send me that playthrough i'd love to see it yeah i'll actually yeah i'll see if i can find the link again awesome as a 
proclaimed consumer of all things nerd, just like us, I have to ask, do you have a preferred genre over all the, the you've worked on a ton of stuff? Do you have one that you prefer more than others or does it just kind of give you everything for video games? Just in general, in video general. games, fantasy novels, anything. Oh, God. Uh, I want all the stuff. I, I mean, I just like I grew up reading you know, Cosmos and The Hobbit and, um, you know, Lord of the Rings, obviously. And, and I just was such a book nerd. And so to get to be an astronaut and then, you know, get to be like a elfin warrior and then you know, be in a zombie apocalypse like this. I'm like a kid in a candy store. This is just my favorite thing ever. I, I, I just I love it. I there is nothing about this business. That, no, 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 that's not true. Um, Call trees. I really dislike doing call trees, guys. <laughs> it is the audio equivalent of digging ditches, and and it's good money, uh, and somebody's got to get paid to do it. But it's 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 just soul sucking. Um, well, sorry, I mean, call tree clients. <laughs> to be to be fair, it's a call tree. It's supposed to be soul sucking. So I mean, I guess it fits. Uh, yes, but no. Uh, otherwise, I, I mean, I love doing commercials. It's it's fun to get to work on, you know, brands that I really respect and maybe don't respect but the checks will cash um which sounds really shitty to say but uh roger and i, I work just, in it we understand this <laughs> you too see i just love it i mean um i was working myself to the bone in the silicon valley and i i just i feel like i found a new lease on life and and there's really not much for me to complain about <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that's cool is that, like, you might not be playing all of these games. However, you're part of an interactive storytelling that is different than what we had in the past. So in as opposed to you doing just animated work or, or things like that, which is, again, a very linear story being told, you are instead being part of these interactive stories. And because the technology is advanced to such a point where you can have experience like all of these that you have worked on, it's, it's storytelling exponential. Now it's not, again, it's not the same as a book. And I love literature, obviously books and, and things like that and animated works, but it's just, there's something about the games industry now, wherein you're able to completely sink someone into the story in a way that you never could otherwise. Yeah. And again, being able to be a part of that is fairly substantial. It's just, it's a dream come true in terms of jobs for a lot of us, we would think. It it really is. I mean, and I remember when The Walking Dead season one came out and started winning all these awards, there was kind of this weird backlash and they were like, it's not a video game, it's an interactive movie. And I was like, and that's bad. Why? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, help me understand what's wrong with that. Um, and if this is the direction video games are taking, hell yeah, I love it. It's so much fun, um, you know, to, to really get to dive into these characters. And someone like Delilah, I come back to for two years. I mean, talk about knowing a character. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so much fun. And, uh, you know, I've said, said it before and I'll say it again. There's always going to be room for FPS. There's always going to be room for, you know, MMOs and, and MOPAs and stuff like that because people want that. And that's great. But if these narrative games are really going to stick around, which I think they are, I love it. I, I, I love working on them. I love working with people who love working on them. And then to, to be able to, you know, in a situation like with The Walking Dead where you get to meet everybody afterwards and 
kind of bond over this intense experience. Even Life is Strange had a, a dinner for E3 last summer. And so I got to meet Hannah Tell and, um, you know, some of the other actors and, and the guys from Don't Nod. And um, it's just awesome. You know, it's 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 such a great experience where you may not otherwise get in a game where all you're yelling is grenade for four hours yeah. and making your throat bleed. <laughs> What's next for you then? Where else can we look forward to having a conversation with a Sissy Jones character? Oh, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> That's the thing about the gaming industry is it's notoriously secretive. So I have wrapped a couple of projects. I'm working on a couple of other projects and they're all under NDA. I can't talk about any of them, um, but they're You're good fired. titles. What's Nobody that? listens. You're fired. Get nope. the hell. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Uh, you can hear me being uh, old and crotchety on uh, The Walking Dead Michonne as Norma. Uh, so that's been fun. And, um, I'm currently doing the, uh, Charlize Theron soundalikes for the Huntsman trailer. So you can hear me there. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. I gotta tell you. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty I, I actually just finished, um, a soundalike for, um, Nicki Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, okay. that's a Would strange. not have thought it. Would not have thought it. But, uh, All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for popping by really 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 appreciate it where can the folks find you uh i'm on the twitters at sissy speaks and that's that's the best way to find me uh i don't really do much with my facebook page it pretty much Who is does? just a regeneration of my tweets so yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> okay so again thank you very much wish you the best of luck in these titles thank that you, you refuse to talk to us about <laughs> but maybe Thanks. once they come out we can have you back on the show Anytime. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate your passion about the game and all of the, the kind words for the game and, and everybody involved and, and me. And it's thank you. I really can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Oh, I'm telling everybody to buy this damn game. No <laughs> yeah, lie. I'll you tell can Tampa ask me to send you a check. <laughs> I don't need yeah, it. It's like shaking Let's... people on the streets, you know. <laughs> it's it's like you said, we need more people playing these games if we're going to have more. So for all of the loud, obnoxious people who say it's not a game, it shouldn't be out. We need 10 more people saying, shut the fuck up. It was fun. <laughs> it was great. We loved it. And we want more of it. So I want tons of people playing through this game just because it's it's warranted. It is that good, in my opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So again, thank you. And uh, that'll wrap it up. So for everybody else, you can find the show notes at For the Lore. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at For the Lore. Joe is Loaders at J, myself Zen Buddhist, and Vince is Simodian. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by ForTheLore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.